Amen. Let's pray and prepare our hearts for the Word and just ask God to be with us as we study. Father God, we thank You today. Lord, we give You praise. God, I just... Uh, <clears throat> Lord, when we don't even know what to say, God, we can just say thanks. God, and I, Lord, we just prepare our hearts over these next few moments to receive from Your Word, Lord, to take it in, Lord, as if it's food, to, to digest it, to apply it to our lives, that it would change us from the inside out and, and uh, move us from this place or wherever we are spiritually to go deeper in You, God, to fill us with the Holy Spirit, God, and see a world change and understand how awesome you are. And Lord, what does that do to us? God, how does it change us by just knowing you? In Jesus' name. Right said? Amen. 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 If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 19, verse 11. Part of our faith and duty series that we've been going through uh, within the words in red. And we're going to title this morning's message, Turning fear into faithfulness. Turning fear into faithfulness. We're going to look at the parable of the ten servants, parable of the ten minus. Uh, And so, if you've got your Bibles, you're in Luke 19. Somebody say amen. 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 Have you ever been scared to witness? I have. I'll I'll admit. Have you ever been scared to witness? Maybe uh, to share your faith with someone. Is it kind of a scary thing? Right? If we'll be honest, it kind of is. Um, what, what do you think paralyzes you? What, what fear paralyzes you from sharing the gospel? Does, it, does fear shut us down from sharing our faith? And, and maybe even go a little deeper. Uh, why is that? Are we scared of other people and what they're going to think about us? Uh, maybe. Or maybe we're scared of disappointing God and say, God, I'm going to do this thing wrong. I may not say all the right words. How many ever said that before? I don't know how to say the right things, right? I say that every Sunday, <laughs> right before I get up on the pulpit. Uh, you know, uh, are we scared that people won't accept us? Or are we scared that God, uh, that we'll fail Him? And sometimes maybe we feel a little inadequate. Uh, and we're going to look today that fear is no motivation to serve God. Come on, somebody say amen. Fear and shame are no motivation to serve God. We're going to talk about how to turn that fear into faithfulness. Because number one, God fully accepts us. We talked about last week. God fully accepts sinners in His grace. But after that, His, uh, our faithfulness is required for His service. God fully accepts me. God loves me. God died for me. And, and that grace should transform me. But after that moment... And though we're all equal in the sight of God, and we're all equal in grace, we will be rewarded according to our faithfulness. We'll be rewarded according to our service. And this kind of parable leads us into that, that how we respond to God's leadership is a test of our faithfulness. How we respond to God's leadership is a test of our faithfulness. And how we handle on this earth, how we handle God's blessings, how we handle God's blessings determines how He's going to bless us. How we handle God's blessing is, is going to determine how He blesses us. And those who truly, truly know Him, those who have a deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, they will just be faithful to serve Him. So I'm going to ask you a question today before we read. Are your interests, are your interests growing Christ's interests? Is your interest His interest? Is your interest His interest? Look with me, Luke chapter 19, verse 11. How faithful are we in our duty to serve Jesus Christ? Okay, Luke 19, verse 11, it says, 
I'm reading from the New American Standard this morning. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem. And they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. Okay, they're going to Jerusalem. They think, hey, when he gets to Jerusalem, Jesus Christ is going to just take over the Roman Empire and it's all going to be good. Heaven's going to come down to earth. It's going to be over. And so he gives them this parable. He says this, A noble man went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called ten of his slaves and he gave them ten minus, okay, money. And he said to them, Do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him. And they sent a delegation after him saying, We don't want this man to reign over us. And then when he returned after receiving his kingdom, he ordered that these slaves, to whom he had given the money, to be called to him, that he might know what business they had done. The first appeared, saying, Master, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave. Because you have been faithful in a very little thing, you're going to be in authority over ten cities. So then the second came, saying, Master, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him also, You're going to be in authority over five cities. And another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you are an exacting man, and you make up what you did not lay down, and you reap what you did not sow. And so he said to him, By your own words I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you not know that I am an exacting man, taking what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you not put my money in the bank, and having come, I would have collected it with interest? And he said to the bystanders, Take this mine away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Master, he's got ten minas already. And Jesus said, And I tell you that everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he does not have will be taken away. But these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slay them in my presence. Okay, what just happened there? Jesus is telling a story about this client king. In the days of Rome, client kings, uh, Rome had this big empire, right? And there was, they left in power the original uh, kings in those countries that they took over. But you would have to, as that king, go to Rome and they would have this big ceremony that said, you're an official king of Rome or client king of Rome and you're over that little country still. So he tells this story about this king. And he tells it because he knows these guys think he's going to establish himself, but Jesus is trying to warn them ahead of time. He's saying, hey, the kingdom's not going to come just quite yet. I'm going to go. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to take all the sins of mankind. I'm going to raise from the dead. I'm going to go up to heaven, and I'm going to get the fullness of the kingdom. I'm going to complete the redemption, uh, the redemptive plan of God, and I'm going to come back, and then it's going to be game time. Then I'm going to bring full authority on my second coming. And he's teaching them this. So he uses this story of this king to make this demonstration because he wants to tell them something. I want you to be faithful while I'm away. And so he says, there is this king. He goes off, and while he's away to receive this kingdom, there's citizens. And these citizens in this kingdom, they, may or may, they don't really like him, and so they rebel against his authority. There's a mutiny, uh, and they wish that he didn't come back, and the journey was treacherous, and so he may not make it back anyway. So they're just like, let's just pretend he never came, or he's not coming back, and we're just going to live our lives like we want to live them without the authority of the king. And somebody say, amen, that's what we think about the world today. He may or may not be coming back. We don't know if it's true or not, and we hope he doesn't. So I'm going to live like I want to live. All right, and so Jesus teaches, teaches us about the world, the citizens. But he teaches us about the church, too. He says, I've got some slaves, those who call me master, 
those who call me Lord and Savior, and he says, they're supposed to be doing something while I'm away. I'm going to give them the keys to my kingdom. And he gives them what he calls, what they said, a mina or a minus. It basically means three months' salary, all right? He gives them each ten, ten slaves, three months' salary. And he says, I want you to live on this, but I want you to go to the stock market, which we would say stock market today, and I want you to buy and sell. How many people like to flip things? There's all kinds of HGTV shows on about flip this house and all kinds of things like that. Or you go to the auction, you buy a truck, and then you buy it, sell it and get another one. Anybody thrifty like that? You got any thrifty people? I've got two. Okay, we're going to work on ourselves, all right? All right, so he says, I want you all to be thrifty. I want you to take this three-month salary, and I want you to see if you can make it more. You're in charge of my kingdom. But for, when I come back, I want to see how good you are at this thing. I'd be horrible. I, won't, I don't want to play the stock market. I don't, I'm not a thrifty person. And so he says, I want you to flip this house. I want you to flip this car. I want you to do this and try to grow this vineyard, multiply this, buy this house, buy me another house, flip them, improve them. And so he comes, he comes back. He says, finally, he shows up. I don't know how long. He comes back, and he says, hey, one slave comes up. Master, I was faithful, and I took three months' salary, and I made it into 30 months' salary, 10 times. Another slave comes up, and he says, hey, I've got three months' salary, and I did it five times. I increased it, right? And another slave comes up, and he says, hey, here's your three months' salary back. I didn't want to lose it. All right? This is very similar to the parable of the talents that we'll talk about later. But to one, he gives ten cities, to another, five cities, and to another, he says, you're not even trustworthy enough to manage the three-month salary that I gave you, so I'm going to take it away, give it to the guy who I know can make me more money. And that's what we see here today, and that's kind of the background to this, because we want to see ourselves in this parable today. And Jesus is telling his disciples, I want you to be about my business while I'm away. Can you expand my kingdom while I'm gone? And you're going to return. When I return, I'm going to give you my reward. We think about Matthew chapter 28, our great commission. Jesus says, go into the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe everything I've commanded, and I'm going to be with you to that end of the age. But he didn't just say, here's what you want to do. He says, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you that three-month salary. And before he leaves in Acts chapter 1, he says, power will come upon you when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem to Judea and all the ends of the earth. I'm going to give you something. I'm giving you this gospel mission, this, this words in red. I'm giving you my call, my commission, my authority. He told Peter, here's the keys to the kingdom. You've got all authority in heaven. He says, even the demons will submit when you bring up my name. You've got, you've got authority. You've got power. And I'm commissioning you, be good stewards of my kingdom. Now, think about this today, this morning, church. Do we see this as our commission? Is our, uh, just like these servants, he's saying, church, the king is coming. The king, he's on his way back. He rose from the dead. He says, I'm going to go up, and I'm going to come right back down. He's coming back, and he says, I'm calling you stewards. I'm calling you faithful servants. How are you increasing my kingdom? How are you growing my church? Now, let's look at this. Let's break this down here this morning. I was thinking about this on the deer stand this week, and uh, it's a good place to think about it, right? And, you know, you look at this, and I'm thinking, God, why don't we... 
do a better job at growing your kingdom. Looking at my own life. I'm thinking about my life before I was called in the ministry. Uh, and you can even use being a pastor as an excuse, but it, it's not an excuse. I don't get extra points because I gave up my secular job to be a pastor. It's not easier uh, on my scale of increase, right? I'm like, God, what are reasons I fail sometimes to grow your kingdom? And I came up with three things that I wanted to talk about this morning. Reasons I think we fail to grow his kingdom that are in this parable. Because every single Christian has a business to do for Christ. We've got something we're supposed to be doing. We've got something we're supposed to be doing to preach Christ in this world. But what hinders us? I think number one is the fear of man. The fear of man. Things like this I was thinking about. You know, God, I don't want to be labeled preachy. It's kind of hard for me sometimes, right? Uh, I don't want to be labeled preachy. Or in this world, you think about it this way, I don't want to be labeled intolerant, right? I don't want to be that guy or that girl at work who's always Jesus this, Jesus that, because we got a little fear of man. Or maybe I don't want to offend anyone. Or I'm not really good at talking to somebody. Man, what are they going to say if I slip up or if I don't say the right thing? Or, or what are they going to do? Or what are they going to think of me? And there's this fear comes over us of fear of man. I don't want to make a fool of myself, God, in front of them. Anybody ever thought that? Don't raise your hand. Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, he said, Man, if I was still trying to please man, I wouldn't be a servant of Jesus Christ. Oh, if I was still trying to please men, I wouldn't even be a servant of Jesus Christ. We're not going to please men, right? I, uh, but I, you can take comfort in and when God says in his word, he says, Well, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Whom shall I fear then if God is on my side, right? And so we look at that and say, okay, God, is there a fear of man in me? God, I care, do I care more about what other people think than what you think? Do I care more about my pride? It's really it's pride in myself, saying, God, I don't want to be shamed, even though you were shamed for me to die on a cross, right? God, do I care more about what people at my, this job, at this one place, in this one location, in this one time in history, think about me, this one person, more than the God of the universe came down to humble himself before all people? God, do I care more about fear of man? Even though I know that I'm going to heaven and they're going to hell, how, why would I fear them? And so Paul says, if we're people of God, we can't fear men. We can't fear what other people think. And so we'll go on. And the second thing I think is that we fear God. The fear of man, and we go down to the fear of God. Things like this. God, I don't know enough Bible verses to do a good job on this. God, I think if I say this, I'm going to say the wrong thing. It's going to mess it up. And if I say, you know, uh, that this was in Matthew 28, but it was actually in Matthew 27, God, they're going to die and go to hell. You know, like I, they may lose their soul because I did something wrong. And uh, what, what if I mess it up, God, and I tell the wrong thing? God, what if I fail and they never get saved? What if, God, I give you a bad name? What relationship do we have with God that we fear Him in such a way that we fear failing Him is going to make Him angry with us when we know that we've all failed and come short of the glory of God and yet He still died for us? Man, we fear like, God, I don't, I don't know that I can do this. God, I don't think, uh, you don't want to use me, God. I'm not good enough. God, I don't, you're going to, if I do this, God, I'm going to ruin it. And then you're going to be mad at me and this person's, uh, you're gonna, they're going to go to hell because of me, God. Fear of God. Proverbs verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is wisdom, 
And that's a good thing. Fearing God is wisdom. But what does that really mean? Because 1 John 4, 18 tells us that if we have fear, we've not really been perfected in the love of God and the love that He has for us. So on one part, the Bible says, hey guys, have fear of God. That's a good thing. Be wise. God can send you to hell. That's a fearful thing. But on the other side, if you really know Him, you won't fear Him. It's not one or the other. It's both. Let me, let me tell you something this morning. That Jesus is teaching us here today that truly fearing God is actually rooted in His love for us. And it means something like this. I should fear more about being a do-nothing servant than a do-something and maybe I did it wrong kind of servant. I should be more scared to come to God and say, God, I'm a slave that's got nothing to offer you. God, I've done nothing for you. And he's saying, I'd rather you be fearful that you have coming to me empty-handed than coming to me having done nothing. Right? He's saying, I'd rather you be so... I think, I think the fear of us is... And it paralyzes us sometimes. Like this servant. He, he was paralyzed. He, he just froze. But he, Jesus is teaching us in this parable. He's saying, I would rather you at least do something. There's a, two types of people in this world, and some of, some of them, some of us, if you're a, a headstrong personality, you're, you'd rather just uh, do something rather than do nothing. I've got to make a decision because uh, inactivity is bad for me, right? Anybody like that? Like, I'd rather make the wrong decision than do nothing. That's me, all right? All right? How many people are rather, I would rather sit back and wait and watch and make no decision rather than make the wrong decision? How many like that? Yeah, okay, y'all are going to be shy. But okay, yeah, I see you. Uh, you're down your head. Okay, there, that, that's okay. And, and that's not really what this parable is about. But Jesus is actually telling us today, I don't want you to be a do-nothing kind of servant. Don't fear me in that way. Because we, are we more scared of doing nothing than doing something? There's the fear of God. We don't fear God in that way. God loves us. He died for us. You can't make God too angry that He'll never come back or, lo- or for fail you or, or leave you alone or anything like that. If you're worried about failing God, then that's, that's a good, healthy thing. But don't fear Him so much that it paralyzes you. He loves you. And then we go on. There is number three, no fear. This is the worst. This is the citizens. The citizens came and they're like, I don't care about this guy. He's not nothing. He may or may not come back anyway, so let's just live like we want to live. You know, this world is full of a fearlessness. There's no fear of God in this world. You look around the place. They can blaspheme God from a microphone in a political arena. They can make laws in his face. They can declare to the world, I don't care if there's a God or not. This is the rules that man is making. There's, a, there's no fear of the Lord. That's why the fear of the Lord is wisdom. But they don't fear disappointing him at his return. And I think they don't fear being empty-handed. And you think about this. Does this creep into the church today? Maybe they lack the sense of personal responsibility to God. Maybe it's a, a lack of concern or apathy, indifference, even laziness. Maybe it's a, a lack of kingdom priorities in our lives that has creeped in from the world's perspective. That we get so busy in the world that we are not busy in God's kingdom. Maybe we have so much fear, or sorry, we have no fear that others in this world are going to hell. You see, that lack of fear can creep into the servant's house, can creep into our hearts and say, God, you're not really worried about people that are going to hell. God, I'm not really uh, concerned about whether or not your church is growing or, or if the ministry is growing or whether our youth department's doing this or our kids' department's doing that. God, I've got a lot of things going on in my life. I'm really not concerned with what missionaries are going overseas. Or God, I'm really not concerned with 
whether the church is growing or dying financially or in service or in worship or in prayer. God, I'm just really busy right now. There's a lack of fear, and that's a worldly thing. And I look at these three things, fear of man, fear of God, and fear uh, no fear. And I look at this servant, and look, let's talk about this fearful servant for a moment. Because it's really, Romans 3.18 tells us that it's really sin in our lives that causes us not to fear turning away from God. And this man, he had no interest. He had no interest, and that's twofold. He had, one, no interest on his uh, sum of three months' salary. But he, in, his, in one sense, he had no prod, uh, produce, he had no interest. But in another sense, he actually had no heart interest either. He wasn't really interested in what he was doing. And this fearful servant, I like to call him the faithless or the good-for-nothing, the do-nothing servant. A do-nothing servant. Look at this guy. He buried the mina in the handkerchief, which probably meant he buried it in the backyard, or he put it in the safe under his bed or between the mattresses, right? And he says this, he says, Jesus, I was afraid of you because you are an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down and you reap what you did not sow. What is he saying to, this, to the king? He's saying, I knew you were a hard-line kind of guy. I knew you were a, a, a hard man. You were a law, you were to the letter of the law kind of guy. And it really says, man, I, I know you're one of those lucky guys that everything that you touch turns to gold. You're just blessed. And I knew that uh, I couldn't meet the standard of what, that was what you, who you are. And so I'd rather be safe than sorry. And I feared that if I lost it, then you'd be really angry. So I just didn't do anything with it. I just, I saved it to make sure uh, I've got what you gave me. I'm going to give it right back to you. And you know, sometimes we can think that's a good thing in, in Christianity. God, I'm not going to lose my salvation, but I may not gain anybody either. Mm. God, I, I may not have saved a soul or led somebody to Christ when I get to that pearly gate, but I made it. Right? That's what this guy was doing. He called him a hard master. Letter of the law kind of guy. He feared him. He feared losing what the king gave, but he actually felt burdened by the weight of this responsibility. I don't know about you. Does having the Great Commission shut you down? Uh... Growing up in church, I would hear these evangelists come in or you hear these sermons when the pastors talk about the Great Commission. Hey, you need to get out there and witness and how many souls have you brought to the church this year and you know all this. And it literally, because I'm an introverted person, it would be like, oh man, I'm a failure. I can't do it. You know, and you just, you shut down. And this, this weight of this responsibility because he didn't know what he really had or what his real calling was or who his master was, it weighed on him. I'm like, man, I'm under the letter of the law. This guy is a hard master. And I've got this huge responsibility to reach the world for Jesus Christ, and I cannot do it. And so, God, I'm just going to sit here and make sure me and my family make it. And he turns to this guy and he says, you are a worthless servant. Ouch. This is the Bible, y'all. This is the words in red. Think about this. Look at American Christianity. Look at the way we were raised, the things that we process in our hearts. Because I want us to analyze, is the Christianity I know and have grown up in the same Christianity in this Bible? Let's be honest with ourselves this morning. He's saying, I'm not interested in people who are just concerned about themselves making it to heaven. He says they're worthless. 
Why? What's going on with that? Let's look at this for a second. He had no interest, just excuses. This is an unholy fear that overshadowed his master's love. Because I believe if he really knew his master, he would have feared more about disappointing him by not investing than more than in losing. He would, have, he would have feared that he had nothing left to offer. That fear, that would be a holy fear that motivated him and it would have been rooted in the love that his master gave. Now, think about it this way. Really, if you look at this guy in the text of this, he was really just trying to make an excuse. Because, let me be honest, if someone comes up to you and they want to give you a compliment and they say, you're a hardline kind of person and I really feared you, that's not a very good confident, uh, uh compliment in my book, right? What is he saying? He was passing it off on God and saying, hey, I really, he really wasn't interested. And he's saying, I'm making an excuse of why I didn't do more on this earth. When I get up to heaven, Lord, help me, God, that there's nothing left. There's no regrets. There's no excuses to say, God, I really wanted to bring you more, but this, God, I really wanted to do more in my life, but you know, God, you, you never really gave me the finances that I needed. God, I really wanted to do more in my life, but God, you could have given me more talent and ability. God, I really wish I could have brought more souls into the kingdom, but God, you know, I was really in that job or that situation. I really had those kids for so long. God, I was really helping out in that way. Or, or God, you know, my husband or my wife, they never really did come to church. Or God, all these things that we could say, God, I wanted to do more, but I'm here. Right? Now think about this. If we were really concerned, really concerned, he says, if you were really concerned about losing my money, why didn't you at least put it in a safe place like the bank where it can gain some interest? Why didn't he at least do that? Because he actually had no interests in the master's interest. He really had no interest in the master's investment because he didn't really expect the king to come back. If, we, if he was really honest with himself, he wasn't really concerned with what the king was concerned with. And more than likely, while these citizens were rebelling, this servant's sitting there thinking, you know, I know I'm a servant in the master's house. The master's gone. He's away. I know he may be coming back soon. I haven't seen him in a long time. It's been like 2,000 years. This guy is going to be dead by now. You know, like... Uh, and, you know, all these people are living a good life out there in the world, and it kind of begins to creep in his heart. And I begin to look out the window at what the world is doing more than looking at saying, all right, Master's coming. Let's go. Master's coming. He's coming. What are we doing to grow this place? What are we doing to increase our our reward and and to be faithful and and to do this? But instead, he's just looking out the window, just thinking, man, it's pretty nice outside. Man, you, you see that guy hit a home run? Look at that ball. You know, it just begins to weigh on him, and he's could look at his life and say, I have no interests in my master's house. Are we interested in Christ's interests? Because what is the safe place here? He says, I wish you would at least just put my money, my gifts, my gospel, my Holy Spirit into the bank. What's the bank? Where is the safest place to you to serve God? Right here. Right here. He's saying, while there were other people out in the world dying for me, while there were other people out in the world giving up their lives, their missionaries that are giving up their families, their homes, their finances, they're going, they don't care what nobody thinks, they're selling all out. And while some are being martyred at the stake over in the Middle East right now, 
And while some are increasing, you've got, yeah, you've got Billy Grahams out there, but yeah, you've got pastors, you've got evangelists, you've got peace, you know, people starting ministries, you've got homeless programs out there, and you've got people who are just bold witnesses who are every person they talk to at the restaurant, or you know, they get those gifts, and they're doing all this stuff, and they're seeing increase, and they're trading up, and, and, and seeing investment, and growing in their kingdom. He's saying, why don't you at least serve in my church? Why didn't you at least where it was safe and no one's going to persecute you and, and you could easily use your gifts and you could easily, you know, work in our kids' ministry or our youth ministry or easily even tithe or give financially. There's no risk in that. But you know, God's going to get some investment back. I'm not belittling serving in our church. Man, serve. But he's saying... If you don't feel like you have, you have fear and you don't think you have it all yet to go out there and be a missionary or to go evangelize the street corners or go preach in the, in the downtown square, he's saying, why don't you at least get involved in the church? Why don't you at least serve in some way? Why don't you at least uh, see some growth in a safe place that when I come back that I could say, wow, you were that Sunday school teacher for 50 years and, and thousands of kids have heard the message just because you've been there. You had no risk that would, you were already here anyway. And, you know, I, why not? Come on, church. Listen. The king is coming back. He's coming. He may have been gone for a long time, but he's coming. And we don't have to take a lot of risk here today to live in Gina, Louisiana, to serve Jesus Christ. It doesn't really cost me a whole lot in the scope of eternity. We can preach freely in our churches. We can give freely in the offering. We can serve and raise our kids in a godly home and bring them to a godly place to hear the message of the gospel. We can see our youth come to the Lord every Wednesday night. We can do any evangelistic crusade in this town we want. We can feed the homeless in every house in this, in this place. We can go to every door, knock on that door and say, Do you know Jesus? It really don't cost me anything. So many people around this world are giving up life and limb to serve Jesus Christ. And he's saying, why don't you at least do something in the safe place that you live in? Why don't we at least do something? But fear paralyzed him. Fear paralyzed him. What became of this servant? Look at this. He says, from the one who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. What became of this servant? The parable doesn't really tell us what happened to this guy, but we know that his stewardship was taken from him. He took away, the, the king comes and he takes away the three-month salary that he had. While the other people got to keep their three-month salary, plus their interest, plus received ten cities, or five cities, or as it goes on, this guy who had nothing of interest, no interest in the church, no interest in the, in the Lord's kingdom, he takes what he had and gives it to another. And he calls him a worthless slave. Now, I'm going to be honest. This guy may or may not have lost his job and become outside that. And maybe he did get into heaven. Let's just be honest. He may have or he may not. But in the parable of the talents, which is a similar parable in Matthew, this servant was kicked out and punished just as all the citizens of the world were. And it says he went to the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Even though he was labeled as a servant, a Christian of the king, a, a servant of God. And lived in the Lord's household. Because God is looking for a servant who has his heart. 
whose interests are aligned with his interests, whose concern is his concern. And whether or not this man made it to heaven or not, that's not the point. The point is, I don't want my life and my service to the Lord to be questionable. I don't want to be an if-then, maybe, possibly go to heaven kind of guy. This guy may or may not made it to heaven, but I'm going to be honest, he likely didn't. And I don't want to be, I don't know about you, but I want to serve the Lord with gladness and sincerity of heart. I don't want my life to be in question that I've just sat on a, a seat or a pew or, or whatever or I've just gotten by that, Lord, I've made it into heaven. Now, trust me, there will be some who confess Christ in the last moments of their life or in the last years of their life and say, God, I've made it, and they're going to be welcomed into heaven. We talked about that last week that we are all equal in the grace of God, that we all make it because of God's saving grace. And it's easy. You profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're saved, you're going to heaven. It comes from the heart. But after that moment, after that profession, that confession, there should arise in us a faithfulness to say, God, I'm so very thankful and honored what you've done for me. And he says, this is my heart. This is my commission. This is my heartbeat. This is why I saved you. And if I saved you, help me save some more people just like you. Don't be selfish because that shows a lack of gratitude. It shows a lack of, of, of love for the Lord who saved our souls. And so we go on and he, he says, uh, we look at our lives today and we've got the gospel message, church. We've got the power of the Holy Spirit. We are called to demonstrate fruitful discipleship. And we're to guard our ministry, yes, to protect it. I don't, God, I don't want to lose my own salvation. But I'm also called to be rich in good works, 1 Timothy 6 says, to be ready to share at any time and to store up treasure which is in heaven. That none of us have any excuse when he returns. God, I've got no, I'll, we will have no excuse when he returns. God, I want to do the most I can do. God, I want to maximize my service. One author said it this way. He said, fear paralyzed him when it should have mobilized him into service. You know, fearing God is, is not a motivation for serving him. And even now you're thinking, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm scared if you come back. Well, well, I have. You know, that fear, that's not what I'm talking about this morning should motiv- motivate you. Because let's go into the faithful servant. I began to look at this because many pastors would preach this and say, you've got to get somebody to heaven or else. You know what? That's not going to get you to that place. That's judgment and condemnation and fear and shame is not going to get you to reach people for Jesus. What was different this morning? What was different about the, the fearful servant and the faithful servant? Look with me. I'm going to get you through this place. You've got, you got to stay with me. The faithful servant. Because true disciples have a concern for God's kingdom. If fear doesn't motivate me, what really does motivate me to reach people for Jesus Christ? This guy was last, this, faith, this guy who had ten cities given to him. You know, he was glad to serve Christ. Why? Because he experienced his grace. I'm so glad just to be in the master's house. Man, I'm just so glad to be a servant in the house of God. I'd better is one day in his courts than a thousand else. What's that same kind of attitude? I'm so glad to be saved. I'm so excited to be saved today, church. I'm so happy that God loved me, that he sent his son to die for me, that he died on the cross, he bled for my sins, that he's coming back, and he's going to bring me a reward. Man, I could be fearful and say, oh, Lord, I may not do enough. Or I could be like, thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. God, I'm so motivated by thankfulness, by, by the grace of God. And I know, man, God loved us so much. Get this, church. 
He doesn't just give honor to anybody, right? He doesn't just say, hey, kid, uh, I've never met you before. You don't do this at your house. Here's the keys to my car. Go up down the street, right? No, you're going to give somebody those keys that you know and trust. And so when Jesus left this world, he said, hey, those of you who trust me enough to give me your life, I'm going to trust you with my house, my keys to my house. And he says, not only that, I'm going to give you the ability, I'm going to give you the resources and finances you need to keep up my house and to even multiply it. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and power. I'm going to give you gifts that you've never seen before. I'm going to give you words of knowledge and wisdom and faith. I'm going to give you miracles, healing, divine deliverance. I'm going to give you the, the power of the Holy Spirit to speak. When you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will come out from you and the words of life will just be given to this world. I'm going to give you everything you need to do a great job. You don't just give that honor to anybody. God has honored us, church. He has rewarded us with the power of the Holy Spirit. We were just Gentiles. We weren't Jews. He just gave it away. The power of heaven, the glory of God. When we come into this church today that we feel the tangible presence of God, that is an honor. That is a, a great honor to have. And so this servant saw it as such. While one servant saw it as a burden, one servant said, I am so honored to be able to tell somebody else about Jesus Christ. It is a privilege that God has entrusted me, little old me, to be able to preach today. So it's an honor that God has, little old me, I can, I can send missionaries overseas and change the world. Who am I that we can do such things, that God would feel worthy, that I could, that I could even be a part of the family of God. And this, this guy was honored. He was so moved with thankfulness. And so it moved him to please his master. He became ambitious. He desired to repay him in some small measure by giving God glory. Man, I just want God to be glorified. I just want my, when my king comes here, I want my king to be high and lifted up. I want the world to see that only Jesus is God. I want people to know that my God is, is the only God. There is no God like my God. He sought glory for his master. And he was so concerned with what his master was concerned with. I am moved to be concerned with what our God is concerned with. He says, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11, he says, According to the glorious gospel, Paul says, of the blessed God, which I have now been entrusted, I thank Christ, Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he considered me faithful by putting me into service. He says, I, it's an honor for me, Paul said, to preach the gospel. It is an honor. He thought me faithful enough. He thought I'd do a good enough job that he gave me the keys to his house. You think about this today. Think about this today. It's kind of like um, when, uh, how many people got, how many guys, men, how many got a BB gun when you were little? Anybody? Okay, almost all of us, right? And our wives took it away. No, right? Uh, you get your kid that BB gun. If they're not faithful with the BB gun, Dad, please don't buy them a real gun later, right? If they can't handle it now when it's little and then there's, you know, minimal risk, or that pellet gun, or that Nerf gun even, you're not going to buy them more things. You're not going to give them more uh, uh, reward. Same is true for this parable. How we are faithful with God's things on this earth is how He will reward you and I in the next and say, if you were faithful in little things on this earth, I will make you greater things. I'll put you over greater things in the next world to come. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, 
what God has in store for those of us he loves and are called according to his purpose. He, he is, he's saying, if you can do this, I know you can handle this. And even on this earth, if you can handle this much finances and you're blessing the ministry of the church and the ministry of missions, maybe God's going to give you more. You know, it's better to give than to receive. And if God says, I can trust you with this ministry and this level, and you've been faithful in that, well, maybe the pastor or the worship team or whatever or, or this ministry will make you faithful in more. It's like working at a job. You've got to work down at McDonald's. You've got to work on the, the fries before you get to the burgers. You know, it's like if you do a good job at this, then they're going to improve, and you're going to get some more responsibility. And the same is true in the church and even in this world and the next. And so we're to be occupied this guy, no doubt, gave up time, thought, energy. How can I, how can I uh, be strategic to increase the master's possessions? How can I take some risk? You know, in the stock market, you got to take risks. Flipping things is always a risk. Flip this house, flip this car. You're going to take a risk. You might have some loss. There might be people that make fun of you. There might be people that shame you, that stab you in the back. It may not always turn out like you thought it would. But God is looking for a people who's willing to take some risk to see some investment to see some eternal gain, who are willing to step out there on the ledge and get out from the safe place because they're so moved by knowing who Jesus is. They're so moved by their, their, the grace of God. They're so moved by the awesome responsibility of the Great Commission that says, God, I'm willing to take some risks. God, I'm willing to get out from a safe place, to get away from the comfort zone. Because I'm going to turn my fear into faithfulness. How can I get some more souls in this place? How can I see more people come to know my king? And church, you and I today have the power of the Holy Spirit to do just that. And there is a king's reward coming. The king is coming. You know the greatest reward of that? When the king comes? It's not about material possessions in the next world. It's that the king himself is coming. He is our reward. Amen? Worship team, would you come back? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus. The King is coming. What motivates you to serve our Lord and Master? Is it fear? Or is it faithfulness? How we invest God's blessings on this earth is how He will bless us in the next. I don't want to be a do-nothing servant. I don't want to be an empty-handed servant. I don't want to just get to the heaven just be and say, God, I made it, but I didn't bring anybody else. But I don't want to guilt you this morning into any decision. I want you to see the awesomeness of knowing Jesus Christ. I want you to see how, how faithful He was with your soul and how uh, you can just be in turn glad enough joyful enough, and realize the power of the Holy Spirit He's given you and the awesome responsibility He's given you that should motivate you, should excite you to be a part of this great day that we live in. We don't want anybody working because they feel they have to out of works because God is a hard God and He expects you to work and He expects you to do things and you feel this burden. But there should be a sense of freedom there should be a sense of joy. Or there should be a sense of excitement. That God, I'm willing to take some risks. God, I'm willing to get out of the safe place. And, and maybe if you're not there yet, you can say, God, at least if I'm in the safe place, 
At least if I'm here at church, maybe I can do something. Maybe there's a place I can serve or more I can give or something I can do in the community. Places that, God, that maybe I'm not taking so much risk. Till God, I can be faithful to that little thing. And God, you can grow me to be faithful with more. Start somewhere. Start somewhere. But don't be empty-handed because our God is so awesome. He loves you so very much. He's willing to die for you. You won't fail Him. He's not going to let any soul go to hell because of your actions or inactions. He's bigger than us. He's bigger than us. If I don't do it, He'll put somebody else in that person's life. I don't serve because I think somebody's going to go to hell necessarily. I serve because I love to serve my God. I don't serve out of fear or failure. I serve because I am so honored to be chosen by Him. See, there's a difference, church. So much religion today wants to motivate people with guilt and shame. But it's the joy of the Holy Spirit that's our strength. It's the the power of the Holy Spirit that gives me confidence to go out. It's the love of my God that makes me overjoyed to share beyond my borders. And to trust God that if I can give Him more, I know God will bless me. God, if I commit to giving and tithes or offerings or missions, God, I know You'll bless my finances because You're a good God. Where you been living at, church? You been living on the back row, spiritually? You been living in fear? Has it been paralyzing you? You need to get to a place where you really know your master. You really know how much he thinks of you, that he'd honor you. Not only by saving you, but giving you this awesome responsibility. How thankful will you be at his return? What interests will you come to him with? What gain will you have won for Him because of your excitement, of your joy? Take a moment, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak this morning in your heart. Just to analyze, God, where am I in this parable? Who am I? Am I a citizen who's been rebelling against the authority of God? I've really not been living under the authority of God. I really don't really expect Him to return. I haven't been looking for His return. And I've been living the way I want to live. (laughs) Or maybe you're that fearful servant. Saying, God, I really haven't been taking any risks. God, I really haven't been investing anything, even in the safe place of the church. God, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. Or maybe you're that servant who's been multiplying. You've been investing in things, and God's been multiplying, and He's been blessing. And you know He's coming soon. And church, if that's you, I'm I'm just challenging. How can I gain more? God, how can I do more for you? Because while I was still a sinner, Jesus Christ died for me. That's motivation enough. Jesus. Father God, we praise you today. We love you. I pray, Holy Spirit, you be in this moment, God, to fill every person with a sense of love and joy, of gratitude, of the grace of God that motivates us to serve you, to be obedient. Lord, to take away sin of our lives, God, to crucify the flesh, not out of guilt or shame or, or law, but, God, because your grace motivates me of love to obey you, to serve you. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Heath, I fall in that first category. I've been living outside the authority of God. I really haven't been expecting His soon return. I've been doing things like I want to do them. 
I'm ready to give up ownership of my life just to serve Jesus Christ. You say, that's me, Pastor. Would you just pray for me? Just lift your hand, look at me. I want to pray for you. Amen. Thank you. Anybody else? Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah, Lord God. Thank you. Lord, I just want to stop doing it on my own. Trust that my Master's got the best plan for my life. Better is one day in the Master's service and His courts than a thousand elsewhere.